Good evening and uh, welcome to our Bible study as we continue to look at the book of Job. And for this evening we're going to look at chapter 38, just first three verses of that chapter. So let's just read them first. It's Job 38 verse 1 to 3. Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Let's just pray. Our Father, we do thank you for your word, and as we just gather around it this evening, that through this short passage you will just prepare us for what you have to say to Job and what you have to say to us. Thank you for what we've learned already, and we just would commit these things into your hands, that by the power of your Holy Spirit you will speak to us, and we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I thought that as we're coming towards the end of the book of Job, that we would take just a, a short time and consider some of the things that's been said so far. And this is before we listen to what God has to say. We know that Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar and Eliu have all spoken to Job and Job has spoken to them. Finally, here in chapter 38, God speaks. So in chapter 38 through chapter 40, verse 2, we hear God speak. And Sorry, in chapter 38 through to chapter 40, verse 2, God will speak. Then in chapter 40, verse 3 and 5, we have a short response from Job. Then in 40, verse 6 through to 41, verse 34, God will continue to speak. And then in chapter 42, verse 1 to 6, we have another short response from Job. And then finally, in the final chapter, 42 verse 7 through to 17 we have what we can call the final epilogue now we know a lot about God and from the conversations we've had in the, the book of Job we know that Job and his friends knew quite a lot about God just as Adam did way back in Genesis as Cain and Abel did but there's a lot that they did not know God's plan, a plan that was in place before creation, a plan that will continue through the life of Job, through the life of what we have in the Bible, through our time and on into eternity. So we can go way back into Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 when we read, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is God speaking about something that is yet to happen and that we know has happened and the effects of it will continue to happen. And as we come towards the final chapters in the book of Job, we'll be reminded of how much we do not know or understand about the nature, about the character of God. You see, everything about him goes far beyond what we might think we know. Now we do know about how much God loves us and we know that he gave his son to die for us. But even this only scratches the surface of the depth of the love that the Father has for us. I was thinking about this and the words of the Stuart Town and song, how deep the Father's love for us came into mind. And as I looked through them, I realized that these are beautiful words and we love to sing it. 
But I realise that these words in this song quite rightly tell us how great God's love is for us. But we can only understand this within the limits of our finite minds. And the words of this song also expose the limits of our understanding of how deep the Father's love really is. And this is something, I think, for us to consider and to think about as we consider this section in the book of Job. And I think it will help us understand it a little bit better. Just to read through those words from that hymn and think about some of the things you've heard so far in the book of Job and um, be prepared for what we're going to hear as God speaks. In the words of the song, how deep the Father's love, how vast how vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one. They bring many sons sons to glory. Behold a man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there. Until it was accomplished, his dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Yes, we know this and we can understand. But there are things that the Lord has revealed to us. And these are some of those things. But the Father's love for us is far, far deeper than we can ever know. God's knowledge is far greater than we can ever understand. God's wisdom is far deeper than we can ever fathom. And God's purpose is far more complex than we will ever fully understand. You know, I was thinking again of the words of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, one who understood far more about the Scriptures than we do. He he understood far more about the nature and the character of God than many of us ever will. But listen to what he could say to the believers in Corinth. This is Paul with all his knowledge. But he said in in, in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I will know fully, even as I am fully known. You see, he saw the depth and the greatness of God was beyond our full understanding. We could understand a lot of it, but not all of it. Why doesn't God give Job an explanation of why he had to suffer? That's a good question. Why doesn't God give Job an explanation of why he had to suffer? God will not tell Job why he had to suffer. Why? Because God's purpose for Job's suffering goes far beyond even Job's capacity to understand. You know, in the days of Job, 
God's plan of salvation, his plan of redemption, his plan of reconciliation, it was already in action. We read that way back in Genesis. And the first readers of this book, such as the people of Israel, would know a little bit more than Job knew of God's plan as they would have been introduced to his promise, the promise that was given to Abraham and later in the words of Moses at the burning bush. Listen to Exodus chapter 3 and verse 6. This is God speaking. God said to Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Let's move down to Exodus in the same chapter 3 to verse 14. And this is what God said to Moses. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me. And you know, we can come to some words that were written for you and I who live in our day, and this was after the coming of the Messiah, the one who is Jesus, the one who is God with us. And we read this in his very words in John 8 and verse 58. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Why is this so important? It's because I am is the covenant name of God. It's not a name for God, but it is the name of God. Yahweh, I am who I am. This is the covenant name that is God's name. Not a name that we've given to him. This is who he is. This is his name. And this is how God introduces himself to Job with the title, I am. Then the Lord spoke to Job. The one who is about to speak is the covenant God, the one who is I am. The one who is speaking to Job, Job who knew nothing of the covenant that would be given to Abraham and the people of Israel, or the fulfilment of the covenant given to us by the death and resurrection of Jesus. But Job had faith in God, in the God of the covenants, the covenant God, the one who is, I am. You see, Job's faith was in things that he's not yet seen. And his hope was in his God, who he knew would somehow provide an advocate who could speak on equal terms with God on behalf of mankind. We know a bit more than Job. We know who the advocate is, the mediator in whom Job, Job had his hope, is Jesus. Who, and here's a point, and I know it's a mystery, it's hard to get hold of, but he was there at the beginning. Jesus was there at the beginning and he was there when Satan challenged God in the first few chapters of Job. Let's just think about faith. Hebrews 11, verse 1 and 2, famous verses. We know them well, but let's view them in context of what we're looking at here in the life of Job. 
Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Do you get that? Do you get the context? Faith is still the same. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for. And it's an assurance about what we do not see. And this is what the ancients were commended for. Job was one of the ancients. Paul, in his day, could speak to us in our day like this. And I want us to consider these words. Again, it's a passage I'm sure you know very well. But I want you to think about it in a fresh light. As we consider Job's position. As we're about to hear God speak to Job. We need to know who Job is, but we need to know who God is. And it's the same God, the one who is, I am. So I'm going to turn to 1 Corinthians 2. I'm going to read through verse 6 through to 16. As I do this, I want you to listen. And and to listen in the light of what we're learning from the life of Job. Paul is talking about the one who is the same yesterday, today and forever. Let's see what Paul says. Verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 2. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood. For if they had, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind can conceive, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit doesn't accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. 4. Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him but we have the mind of Christ. Let me read that last verse again and think about it in relation to what Job has been saying, what his friends have been saying as they've been talking about spiritual things, talking about God. Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. 
you know, we know a lot more about God's great plan than Job did. Like Job, we don't know everything. But what we do know is this, and I'm going to read to you from John's Gospel, John 1 verse 29. This is what we know. The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Isn't that great? Such a deep message in so few words. Look at the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is Jesus. Job didn't know this. But this is where Job's faith is. I know it sounds like a mystery, but it's a truth. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. On the cross, Jesus could say that this part of God's plan was finished. But God's plan is still to be completed. We don't have all the answers. But what we do have, like Job, is a faith a faith that has confidence in what we hope for and an assurance about what we do not see. You know, things didn't make sense to those who stood at the foot of the cross. It didn't make sense that God should allow his son to suffer. So they made the... Assumption that this cannot be the Messiah who is hanging on the cross. You know, it makes complete sense to God. It doesn't make sense to see, to, to say, it doesn't make sense to, to Job when he's asking why God has allowed him to suffer. It might not make sense to us why God allows suffering in this world. But the truth is that he does. And who are we to question the true purpose and will of God? You know, that brings us to something else that we need to consider as we are waiting to hear God speak to Job. And we need to understand as much as we can about what is happening here. Know who Job is, know who God is. We know a bit more of God's will than Job did, so we should understand a little bit better, but we don't know everything, so we need to be like Job, to trust. Let's take a look uh, this evening at some of the verses from both the New and the Old Testament that tell us about the will of God. I'm going to go first of all to Ephesians verse, uh, chapter 1 and verse 9. It was God's purpose that we would be blessed. Listen to what it says in that verse 9. Ephesians 1. This is God. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. That purpose was that we would be blessed. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. Just like Job, we're part of God's plan. This is what it says there in, in verse 13 of Philippians one, uh, Philippians 2. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Job, you're suffering we don't understand it. We don't fully understand it, but it is to God's full purpose. It will bring blessing. Let's go to Isaiah 
Bad luck in the New Testament. Let's go in the Old Testament. Isaiah 14, verse 24. We might not understand the whys and the wherefores, just as Job doesn't, just as we don't when we're going through troubled times. But listen to this in Isaiah 14, verse 24. The Lord Almighty has sworn, surely as I have planned, so it will be, and as I have purpose, so it will happen. This is the greatness of God, the sovereignty of God. This is what we need to understand this evening. Let's stay in Isaiah, go to chapter 46, verse 8 to 10. And we read that the Lord knows things that we don't know. and We might never know, but he knows. This is what he said. This is speaking to the nation Israel. Remember this, keep it in mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God. And there is no other. I am God. And there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times. What is still to come, I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times. What is still to come, I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. You know, it's good to maybe look back at that verse, uh, those verses from Isaiah 46, verse 8 to 10, as we hear God speak to Job, because this is what he's saying to Job. This is what he wants Job to understand. There's a question. Can we compare ourselves to God? The answer is no. Can Job compare himself to God? The answer again is no. You know, it was part of God's desire for God to speak to him. But it was also in God's heart that if God did speak to him, Job would be afraid. Job 9, verse 16 through to 18. Cast your mind back. And let us remind ourselves of what Job said there. He said, even if I summoned him, that is God, and he responded, I do not believe he would give me a hearing. He would crush me with a storm and multiply my wounds for no reason. He would not let me catch my breath. Now God will speak to Job. Just those three verses that we read in chapter 38, that introduction, verse 1 to 3, and just within those words, Job is humble before God. Let's read those words again, verse 1 through to 3. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. You know, in the um, ESV it says whirlwind, the same thing really. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this? that obscures my plans with words without knowledge. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. The covenant name for God is used here. As we've said before, the covenant was given, but it's the same God. The storm, or as I mentioned in the ESV, says the whirlwind is a reference to something that seems to be out of control. That's what a storm is. That's how we view a storm. 
Remember how last week we mentioned the passage from Luke 8, 22 verse 25, when the, the disciples were in the boat with Jesus and the great storm came on the lake that caused the disciples to fear for their lives. They didn't know why it happened, but it had a purpose. And that purpose was to show them a truth, that God was in control, that Jesus is God, that he could command the waves and the wind. And what appeared to be an apparent disaster, through that storm, they learned that the Lord was with them and that they could trust him. Let's go back to Job as the Lord speaks to him through this storm. We don't know if the onlookers heard God's voice, but we know that the Lord spoke to Job. We don't know if it was audible or, or an inward voice, but we know what God said. He starts off, who are you, Job? He knows Job is confused. He knows what Job is doing. He's saying, who are you, Job? You're questioning my actions. You're wanting me to change my plans. And I'm going to tell you why, Job. This is because you are speaking about things that you don't really know. That's what we're thinking about, homie. The deep, deep love of God for us. When the Lord told Job to brace himself like a man, he wasn't threatening Job. He wasn't saying, you know, get ready for this fight, Job. He was saying to him, what's going to happen now won't be easy. But listen, Job, man up. You can take this on the chin. So I want you to stand firm. I want you to listen and I want you to learn. I want you, as we look at this, I want you to notice something here. This is not God speaking to Job. This is me speaking to you. I want you to notice that God doesn't accuse Job of sin as his so-called friends said that he would. But what he will do is to ask Job a number of what are rhetorical questions that will show Job how little he understands about who God is. Remember, God loves Job. How do we know that? You know, he's suffering. God's allowing him to suffer, but God loves him. Job 1 verse 8. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And God hasn't changed his opinion of Job. And he's carrying that opinion with him as he speaks to Job. God loved Job. Then, at the beginning of the book of Job. God has continued to love Job through all his sufferings. And as they meet, as it were, face to face, God still loves Job. And here's the thing. Job still loves God. God won't tell Job why. But he will tell him things that will help him understand why. And the reason is that Job is Job. And God is God. 
And this is a thought that I want us to take away with us this evening and to remember, not just when we consider what Job, what God is going to say to Job as we go through the rest of the book of Job, but that we might understand it and take it with us through our lives. God won't tell Job why, but he will help him understand why. And the reason is that Job is Job and God is God. And this is something that, like Job, we need to understand. Let's pray. Father, we know that this is a difficult book and we don't claim to understand it all. But our Father, through it, we ask that you would help us to understand the reasons why, even though we don't know the true reason, the main reason is that it's because you love us, because we are part of your greater plan, and we are people who do not have the power to plumb the depths of your will or to see the end from the beginning. But our Father, we can trust, and we pray that we will trust in you as we too look towards things that we have not yet seen, but things that are to happen. And we bring all these things before you in the name of Jesus. Amen. And maybe sometime this week you could sit down quietly. And I'll say this, you know, but it's a good thing to do. Sit down with, with a cup of tea, a cup of coffee. And just quietly read through 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 through to 16. And read it in the light of what we've heard this evening and what we've heard as we've been going through the book of Job. And it will help us to prepare ourselves to what God has to say to Job in these final chapters. So, let's all say Amen to that.